IVM. Hey everybody, welcome to another week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you aren't following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Paytm Money. As we go into God knows what week of the lockdown, we've been trying to make sure that we get as much content out to you as possible. We had some interesting episodes in the last week. Cyrus says we had Angus Singh Ranyal on it. That was a fun episode to listen to. On the Filter Coffee podcast, we had Taslima Naslin and Arunav Sina on that. That was another great conversation. Karthik Srinivasan joined Varun on Advertising Instead. And guys, look for Prati Koswal on Pesavasa Podcast with Anupam Gupta. That was another great episode. I'd also like to let people know that the show that we're doing with Mr. Ashish Vidyarthi, Begin the Journey, is now going to be releasing three times a week. So do check that out. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. And let's get started with your show. Welcome to Absolutely Right. I'm your host, Aditi Surana. On our Wednesday shows, I interview our guest on the basis of graphology. Graphology is a study of graphs, graphs that you form unconsciously with your handwriting, signatures, or even doodles. Being a graphologist, I can decode your complex personalities on the basis of the curves and angles of your writing. Today, I will be speaking with Ramya Ramamurthy, who is a communications specialist at the Good Food Institute India and a co-host of a thought-provoking podcast called Feeding 10 Billion on IBM Network. Her podcast explores how the world will eat in 2050. Ramya has worked with established media brands like CNBC TV 18, National Geographic Channel and Star World in her 18 years as a media professional. She is also a published author with her first book called Rebuild. In her current role, Ramya is highly inspired to create a social impact. Let's hear from Ramya how her journey has shaped her and what she would like to know about herself from her handwriting on the other side of this short break. Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli, Don Bradman, and now Cyrus Brocha. Okay, probably not in the right company. I mean, Don Bradman is Australian. But it's called Cyrus Says, a wonderful show about everything. Find the show on the IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we have Ramya Ramamurthy in the studios. Hi, Ramya. Hello, and may I congratulate you on getting the pronunciation of my name absolutely right? Because oh. it's it's like one of those tests when you meet people, right? Like and a tongue twister. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm partially South Indian. Oh, <laughs> my dad was Telugu. Oh, so then so I think you cheated. I don't, yeah, I don't qualify. <laughs> I took both in a wrong place to get this right. So uh, I was going through your profile, and it was impressive from media to this NGO and this like humongous project that you're running or the ambitious idea that you have you're working towards please tell us more about it okay so the uh, story so far for me is that I spent many years in the media landscape I was a broadcast journalist I worked with CNBC TV 18 Um, I produced and reported on a show called Storyboard which was about advertising and marketing Um, spent four years there and then started directing and producing documentaries Worked on amazing stuff for Nat Geo and Star wow, World. Okay. Uh, it was an amazing life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I sort of, you know, you just have to keep evolving with the times. And um, I've done a bit of digital media, okay. um, you know, producing content for YouTube and stuff like that. And then the last thing I did was write a book on work Which that I I'd done through, yeah. through CNBC on basically business of brands. Right. So the book is called Rebuild. It was commissioned by Hashit. 
the publishing house, mm-hmm. Hachette. And it's looking at, you know, 20 or 23 of the biggest uh, failures in brands uh, right. in the Indian landscape. And how did they recover? So okay. it's stories of how you rebuild your brand, brand in the India so, ecosystem. So till this moment, everything was just going so cool as a branding person, marketing yeah. person, media person. Then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I sort of had this sort of uh, uh, moment where I thought, okay, you know, do I want to keep working for myself or do I want to work on something that's a little larger than myself? Mm -hmm. And there's also like this growing consciousness about, you know, just our planet, Mm -hmm. our only home and what we're doing to it and how we need to act fast if we need to save it. Right. Um, So that led me to this amazing organization called the Good Food Institute. Right. And they had set up in India. Um, to sort of launch the ecosystem and build the ecosystem for alternative protein or what we call plant-based meats as well as cultivated or clean or cell-based meat eggs and dairy. Okay. Um, and the reason they exist or the reason we exist is that um, raising animals and mm. then killing them for food causes a lot of environmental harm. Okay. It's um, bad in terms of animal welfare. Right. Um, there's a lot of antibiotics and there's a lot of diseases that stem from that sort of uh, industrial agriculture. The recent virus. Yeah, the yeah. coronavirus yeah. is just bearing that truth. Um, and there is a better way to do it. Mm. So uh, if you offer people a better way to eat meat, mm. which doesn't have all these negative externalities, um, at the same taste, at the same price. So it is not meat. It is meat. In the case of cultivated meat, it's actually a sample of a cell taken from an animal grown in a controlled environment and it resembles meat on a cellular structural level. Okay. Plant-based is made from plant-based sources like soy or pea protein or so, plant protein. So it it tastes and the texture and everything is like meat, but it's vegetarian meat. So this one is Plant made based. from plants yeah. and the other one would be made from cells of animals. So yeah. it is actually for non-vegetarians. Yeah. Uh, even generally plant-based meat, if you see companies like Impossible Foods or Beyond right. Meat, yeah. uh, Beyond Meat has, has had a blockbuster IPO last year. Right. Um, They're actually catering to meat eaters in the West. Because they okay. resemble meat so, so well. significantly okay. that in a blind test, you wouldn't be able to tell the two apart. Okay. So that's why one year ago, I turned vegetarian. Oh, wow. And for me, uh, you know, you have those moments where you crave your old tastes and, you know, you want to get back. It's just that when I turned, the reason was more over being uh, animal friendly. And that was the reason. So I haven't gotten back. But this is a so something like this you could have without the guilt, right? Yeah. And there's no need reason to guilt, and there's no reason to sacrifice what you love. Because right. the truth is that we all love eating meat. Right. Uh, Twenty eighteen was the year we ate the most meat in the world. Really? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's so many of us. Yeah. And so it's I'm also just... like meat eating as a habit is growing. As people get wealthy, they want more protein. They want to eat well. Right. Um, so why guilt people into giving up something they love? Why not give them something that's a simple switch? Right. Uh, so, so that's so what we're working easier. on. Yeah, And then you also have a podcast. So uh, uh, we decided that this was quite a complicated sort of uh, concept. concept for people to grasp. And the best way to sort of tell people what we do right. seemed to be this format, which allows for such intimate, intricate conversation. Right. Um, so we designed a 10-part series called Feeding 10 Billion, where we spoke to entrepreneurs, investors, restaurateurs, uh, people from across the food service spectrum spectrum right. from across the food system um, researchers you know food historians wow. and you know find out 
where have we come from and where are we going to go so what are we going to feed why ourselves are we going the way that we are going yeah. right and now. how do we fix the problems along right. the way right because we have that opportunity in india where meat consumption is fairly low per capita right. uh, but if we don't watch out with our growing population and our growing affluence uh, we basically sub saharan africa india and china will be the biggest meat consumers in the coming years so we need so to we be do careful have a problem at hand we we do and a very mm. large and a very sort of undeniable one and yeah. unless we act now um it could become quite tough for us and for the environment obviously wow so so you are highly driven by your passion to do this absolutely yeah yeah so it's like a crazy step that you made from media set career to this it wasn't a crazy step though because it uh, i went from writing a book about building brands and perception right to uh, working as a communications person for a company or a non-profit that's trying to build um, the, the ecosystem same. from from the ground up so right. it's sort of strategic communications pr brand building marketing it's adjacent right it's not really a big leap of faith for me okay um but i think the difference is here that i'm working on something that seems to have bigger footprints and bigger consequences than what i might have done so far an impact yeah yeah makes sense So Ramya today's uh, our conversation or the show absolutely right is about me looking at your handwriting and talking about certain aspects and based on your questions we'll go wherever you would like to okay so if you ask me questions you know anything that you feel you're either working on right now contemplating introspecting or something that you generally felt throughout and you never had somebody to like look at it and tell you so anything to do with that kind of behavior and your patterns of thinking and how do you you know uh, enhance your own self we can address many of them that so sounds just, fascinating <laughs> thank you so please go ahead and you know over to you okay um so should i just start with what i've written or like i would not read what you have written okay. so it's a like whatever you want so to it's ask. a blank page yeah for me it's like literally a graph on the paper so oh, okay. if i get if i indulge in the content then i i saw myself getting influenced by the content oh. so over a period of time i learned or trained myself not to read what is written and just to look at it as a graph because if you know then i'm impersonal i'm not literally trying to analyze your thinking and i'm only looking at the strokes oh that's fascinating okay um so what does my handwriting tell you about my ability to sort of um focus on projects at hand get things done make sure that they're done perfectly or done well or done on time what does that say so you love challenges that's your thing hmm. so if the challenge gets over you do not know how to look at that project then you're like oh okay but i thought it would challenge me stimulate me question me take me into places or areas that i have not gone before Mm. so that is your most important turn on with any project so people wonder why you work so hard why do you have to put in so much of energy why are you on our heads to do better like you know this is basic minimum and we can get away with it for you it is not about any of it you are like if i'm here i'll give my 2000 units i was about to say 2000% and i said oh that just defies the concept of percentage yeah so i would give my complete self or i won't be here hmm you know all or you, nothing all or nothing yeah and it's not only in projects but that's you are that's how you are in everything in life you're all or nothing yeah yeah i can see that um 
And that's what makes you so authentic and for some people, intimidating. Yeah, but I've read recently that, you know, intimidation is not on me. It's on the other person. Yeah. They have to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, that's interesting. So, um, a lot of, I find that a lot of my work-related sort of queries is that I know what I have to do. Right. And I know how to do it. Right. But oftentimes, like your personality gets in the way of doing it the best you could. Like you're sort of, it's like you... It's I, like I would not call it personality. I would say your projections. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have decided how the project should shape up. And then you have imagined it to be in a certain way. And then you have indulged into it and you romanticize the idea. And then you made it yours and it becomes your baby, which you know. Like, you know, everything becomes comes from so much of energy, power, force for other people as they look at it. Because it is a personal journey. For you, that project is not out there. The project is in here. And that matters to you. Mm. So when you invest so much of energy, when you love something so much, then when other people do not treat it with that much respect, you can't handle it. When other people do not see the bigger picture of why they function, you know, they must do what you're asking them, requesting them, suggesting or demanding them to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you lose your temper for sure you get irritated yeah. much before that temper yeah. losing or not happens depending on the situation but you definitely feel uncomfortable when they do not value it and you feel it in your gut so yeah. it's not in their action they say but I worked for three hours you're like yeah I know you worked for three hours but it's not about three hours you see it is about being present being committed being responsible and when you don't see people doing the way you function, you think they're not doing good enough, hmm. which I feel is an area we must look at. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely some impatience about like expectation versus reality for me, for sure. Like yeah. that's definitely bang on. Uh, and I think a lot of times, uh, maybe I oversimplify the problem. And no, I it think is it's simple for you. Yeah, so I think it's, because it's possible. You're, because you're so invested into yeah. it. And also, you know, you are... Compared to most people you have worked with, you're much quicker in terms of processing the information, coming to a conclusion, being resourceful. So that gives you that edge to pick up a larger project, challenge things, question things. That's what you do in general. But for for people, they don't function like that. So for you, they, you find them slower. Hmm. I'm not saying they're slow. You find them yeah, slower because yeah. you process things faster in certain ways. Yeah. And there are other areas where you do not process it as fast as other people can do. But because work for you is an important area of your life. So you don't take it casually. Hmm. For you, you know, you are, you identify with it. Hmm. And leaders, you know, uh, uh, professionals who identify with their work, it's a great thing. At the same time, it's a stressful thing. Yeah. You know, you yeah. feel more stressed than anyone else yeah. because you want them to function in the manner that is important. And if they don't, you take that load on your shoulders and you keep functioning and keep taking and taking and taking till a point you lose your either balance or or, mm. or patience. Mm. I think over time, I sort of found it easy to sort of detach and be a little more, um, not casual. I don't think I could be casual, but like more... Um, <laughs> You know, just like more stress-free about it. I think that's something I've worked on and tried to eliminate it as much as possible from my life. But do you think I could be doing more to make sure that um, 
that this aspect doesn't rule the way I approach deadlines or projects or just working with people that, you know, there's a, there's an element of like compassion and, you know, just getting things done in, but not focusing too much on the uh, sort of delivery and focusing on enjoying the process as well. So for you, uh, being committed to the delivery is part of enjoying the process. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like you're not saying it for the heck of it that you want to feed so many people. You're not talking about this issue because you must. Mm. You're talking about it because it matters. For somebody when things matter, they cannot pretend that they don't. Mm. Right? So the stress is not about why they don't get it. That is your reaction. The stress is about... What if I do not deliver what I have sought out for? Yeah, that's true. And yeah. when you when you look at it from that end, I feel that when you have an intent of doing something so big, so large, and I'm going to come to this large long-term thinking in one minute, but uh, when you have that kind of an intent, let's look at it, okay? You're working, but also you're, you're kind of working with nature or the overall support system and other parts can join you and they do join you. Right. But it's when you take complete ownership and say, but I have to do this, I have to do that and I have to be responsible for everything. In a way, you dismiss other people, other things that can truly contribute mm. because they don't look that shade of blue that you had in mind. Possibly. But I find that in this specific job, mm. because I'm working on something that's so new that I've had to learn quite right. a lot to sort right, of get right. acquainted with. Um, there is a real sense of like, camaraderie and learning from peers and and it will be until you get this <laughs> okay. so you know what I'm saying so when you are a student you are that diligent and I, like I, I was talking about let me come back to this point so the point is you always thought long term hmm. even as a child you thought about what would you do when you would grow up hmm. you pretty much thought you would do this and you kind of found your way to do this hmm. but you literally wanted to build a long term idea throughout so a person like that who is driven by a, a larger project that is like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the line with other people who are end result oriented, their issues are two years, three years, maximum five years down the line. And they want to say buy a house or you know, they have their personal priorities. So there is a mismatch to begin with. So it is not their responsibility to get you, but it is your responsibility to break your ideas hmm. to, to make it available to them. Hmm. Which most people who have long-term thinking totally miss. Hmm. They feel, okay, but I got it and I did it. And you know, it's like, this is what we must do. For you, it is easier because you look at the world from that bird-eye view. But somebody whose leg is stuck on a branch, even he is a bird, hmm. can't see it for what you can see it for. Hmm. So there is a difference like that. And you, from that bird eye, you're like, but why, why are you not getting it? It's so simple. Hmm. For you, yes. Hmm. Because you're flying and you're up there and you can see it. Hmm. For somebody who's stuck, it's not there. It's not available. Yeah. It's not in their perspective. So how does one get into that sort of uh, mode of putting on someone's el someone else's hat or stepping in someone else's shoes? Because I've tried to do it with some degree of success. But I also feel like sometimes I'm overthinking things I shouldn't sure. be. So I, I feel instead of like trying to have a formula around it, I rely a lot on asking a question. For example, I would ask myself in the middle of a session. So let me use my analogy here. So I meet different people. And most of the time, I do not have any context of where you come from. 
other than handwriting hmm. uh, not only on the show but otherwise as a coach so when i get into the conversation and when i'm trying to understand the person imagine having a fixed idea then it does not fit the person next time and every time i have conversation with different people so i ask myself what do i require to look at here what do i require to observe here what do i require to learn from this person and that question opens different doors because i'm not concluding i'm asking a question so mm. i'm compassionate i'm available also for every conversation is a new conversation i don't have preconceived ideas which were which is where i said oh until you learn it the very moment you learn it you're like okay i got it mm. now let me tell you what to do and then the fun goes away mm. so the play will happen only when you're curious i think i am very curious though oh, with right now yes in no, this no, no. project in yes. general i think i'm one of the most like like it's my kida i agree yeah you're curious as a person not curious as a as a boss or a leader you would have curiosity towards ideas mm. and your experimental and you really jump into different areas i'm talking about curiosity about the other person's perspective mm. to that specific question you're like oh what do i require to look at to communicate to this person i have this bird eye view but he does not see it or she does not get it what do i require to look at so i'm talking about that curiosity okay which is a different applied skill which is a social skill rather than just a intellectual or a ideological kind of thing completely yeah. social and yeah. most leaders uh, make or break their their path by either being socially intelligent emotionally intelligent or not yeah so which is not the skill that that is taught while yeah. becoming a leader yeah. but suddenly when you become one you're like oops this is happening yeah Yeah, no, no, I can see that. Yeah. Um, what would you say to like? So basically, historically, I've yeah. just been someone who's had a very uh, low threshold for boredom. Uh, so <laughs> you also meant bullshit. Uh, no, no, I, but I'm asking about boredom. <laughs> okay, we'll stick to that. <laughs> but uh, so you know, it's dictated so many things. Like I'll, I'll be. So like you said, it's all or nothing, and there's a lot of sort of you know looking at longer term. thinking about bigger right. things you want to achieve but there's also simultaneously a lot of doubt because you're coming in thinking is this still exciting me is this really really what mm. i want to do is this really what i'll be doing in 5 years is this really what's going to matter so you know there's a lot of that undercutting around um, right. not my commitment but definitely a sense of like how long is this going to last <laughs> <laughs> do you see people around you asking you that question or like having that look in their eyes uh towards me no about like how long this gonna last no because i think most people are very creatures of habit generally and they have things accepted yeah you. they find their groove and they sit there for a long time and right. make that groove very comfortable uh, but i think uh, there no, is no i mean people around you friends family members have they figured this out i was asking from that oh, perspective oh like that oh um possibly <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, so my family calls it. Oh, abhi naya update aaya iska. <laughs> I totally understand what you're yeah. saying because it's always about like coming up with newer updates and and figuring it out. Yeah. Now I don't think that is about boredom. I truly feel it's about being authentic to the process. Hmm. You know, very few people have that uh, courage or tenacity to ask these questions again and again. because every time you ask that question 
is it something then you really have to go back and unlearn and ask different questions and create another path to learn you know and address your curiosity how many people have time willingness to do it and i feel that is a process where you stand apart from the crowd also you do justice to your own curiosity hmm and i think that's that's beautiful that's who you are not everything that is uncomfortable must be changed about us Oh, okay. It is uncomfortable. Yeah, you, know, you have. <laughs> yeah, I was. Just, I was hoping you would have like a very neat answer. Where you'd be like, "Oh, this is the way to solve your boredom uh, issue." <laughs> no, I think you. I think that's the beautiful part because if you stay honest to being bored, yeah. then you would change and you would learn and you would upgrade and you would uh, go through that grind of stepping away from what works for everyone else. Hmm. And you have done that again and again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. And that is... So I just, you know, when I look at people, especially like these people I told you about, right? Who do one thing for like five how? years, <laughs> 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I'm like, what is in your gene that makes you like that? You know, like it's fascinating for me. Because but I, I want to address a part of you being consistent in a different way over 15, 20 years. And I'm going to address that after the break. Okay. So All right. <laughs> so we will we'll talk about this more once we come back. All right. Yeah. Beta, did you know 79% of all scientists in NASA are Indian only? Dekho, India mein tax sirf middle class bharti hai. Everyone is just enjoying free, yaar. Aaj kal ke youngsters are only interested in partying and enjoying. Unko desh ki padi hi nahi hai. Beta, tum bas shadi kar lo. Uske baad to you can enjoy life like anything. I will tell you what this country needs. This country needs 15 years of dictatorship. That is the only, the only way to become a superpower. See the Chinese, how much they've progressed. So now tumne ye WhatsApp forward dekha. So what's common between all of these statements? They're all absolutely rubbish. Fake WhatsApp forwards that spread like wildfire. And statements that defy any logic. They are here to debunk them all. Where your family WhatsApp groups? Worst nightmare. Where what happens when you read a book? Basically, we are just a bunch of guys who want to cut through the bullshit of everyone saying this, how it won't be true. So that the next time someone confidently squeezes out some WhatsApp or Twitter BS, you will look them dead in the eye and go, Uncle... Please sit. So join me, Joel. And me, Tushar. Every Mondays for a fresh new episode of Uncle, Please Sit. So Ramya, we were talking about uh, building habits and having routines and how people are so settled for like 5-10 years and you believe you can't do it. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I haven't been able to do it. (laughs) So let me break your myth. I feel it is not about the activity that you are consistent about and I agree with that. But there are parts of you where you have been consistent about breaking barriers, Mm. consistent about, you know, not being inauthentic to your own boredom, consistent about, you know, upgrading yourself. So that routine, that process has been completely consistent. So as a person, you're not an inconsistent person. Hmm. You know, sometimes we tend to label ourselves looking at a career graph or we look at it like, but I picked up this and then I didn't do it. And then I picked up something else and I didn't do it. But let me tell you, whatever you have picked up, you reached your level of satisfaction, mm-hmm. no matter how tough or uh, strenuous it was. You reached there and mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, I got this and now I don't want to do it. So there was a moment of choice which you made and then you didn't do it. Which is very different than being inconsistent. You know, people Hmm. just try things and then they give up. And then they try things. You didn't do that. 
So th- there is the 10,000 hour uh, thing, yes, right? Where yes. you, to be really good at anything, you need to put in at least 10,000 hours right. practicing or becoming better at it. And uh, I keep thinking, what is the thing that I've done that? I guess communication is something. About to say. <laughs> Isn't it communication? It is. Yeah, it is. It's just that I'm, like you said, I'm expressing it in different formats and right. in different stints. Uh, and also maybe like our life is too complicated now for it to be like a very simple, like you get into one job and just stay in that forever. Like, I don't know anyone who does that anymore. But I also feel you get into one skill and then you keep building on it, which you did. That's so you true. have like more than 10,000 hours in this one skill. And because you're so intensely involved in it, you need other breathers. Absolutely. So you, if you look at the other things as just breathers, you won't be hard on yourself. Yeah. You're like, okay, I, I'm doing this 10,000, but I also want to go and flirt with, say, pottery. And just want to go with and flirt with painting, whatever yeah. you pick yeah. up and yeah. more artistic than otherwise. But you just want to flirt with it. And if you know that that is my idea of doing it, then you won't bother yourself by, you know, with the idea of being perfect and being a professional or whatever in the other area. But that's the thing, right? And in my 20s, I remember I was interested in many things. Right. And I was doing only one thing. Right. And I remember at that point thinking, maybe what I'm really meant to do is this other thing that is so exciting to me, but that's <laughs> not my job, right? Like it's right. just a hobby or it's just like, Which I'm just brilliant at it. Yeah. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> and then over time, I realized, like you said, you can actually do whatever you want to do in your free time. Right. Figure out whatever makes you happy. And not all of it has to become this bread and butter earning, you know, like this uh, vocation. Or or also, no, not only that, but if you put your heart into it, you want it to be perfect. So there is also that other part of it. So it's not like you want to earn money out of it, but you just want to create a masterpiece. Uh, maybe you're giving me more credit than I, I will take. I'm just saying you want to create. I'm not saying you're creating. Okay. <laughs> Reality check. Right. Yeah. I can live with that. <laughs> so that is the idea of somebody who has a higher self-esteem. Oh. You know, it is very closely associated. Self-esteem is not self-confidence. Okay. It's not what you show other people. It is that private dialogue that you have with yourself. When you're looking into the mirror, when you're talking to yourself, that's a self-referral point. Hmm. So for you, that self-referral point is high. Hmm. So you believe that if I do something, my job is to strive uh, perfection, do it good, do it in in the best possible way and leave some mark. Now that is tiring Hmm. because you try to do it in everything. But if you understand, okay, these are the three things I'm going to do it completely. I'm going to give my 100% and build on it. And other things I'm going to experiment with. That is very relaxing. Even mm. when I'm talking about it, I suddenly feel that, you know, the pressure on other things, if you just remove that and make it play, they will become your relaxing points. Right now you get into a, a so-called relaxing activity and become very, very, very ambitious about it. So... Yeah, I think figuring out what's work and what's play and why it's okay for some things to remain at play has taken a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I totally hear you. (laughs) So yeah, um, I I don't know. Is there anything else that you like perceive about me that you think you should, I should be working on or that could be areas of improvement for me? Yes, I feel... uh, off late, and by off late, I mean probably say three to four years. 
you have been sensitive about other people's criticism about your work hmm before this when people criticized you heard them not that you enjoyed being criticized ever but at that time it was okay for them to say whatever but and you did not take it to heart now in this period i feel the sensitivity has gone up as you said intimidation is not about you it's about other people hmm i feel criticism is not about other people but about you hmm because when somebody criticizes they might be giving their opinion or they're saying things or they you know whatever being harsh or mean or whatever but when you receive it the way you process it it becomes yours so criticism is you know if it affects you it is your baby to deal with and hmm. your job to clean so if you would like to talk about it more we can explore yeah yeah i mean it's fascinating right because a lot of my work which i put out in the last couple of years right. and you're absolutely right a lot of writing yeah. is basically constant editing and being okay with people sort of telling you how to make it better and taking that that feedback, feedback in, in and actually transmuting it onto the paper and saying yes this is how i'll make it better it's hard when people are criticizing the work that you've written right. to not make it about yourself right of like course. it's it's very hard to say oh that's just something on the page it's not to no, do with me and also so, when you have uh, built your perspectives and you've given your you know love and care to everything that you have written of course absolutely so the thing is though you have to be open to it to actually improve if right. you're not then you're sort of stagnating and you're not learning right. uh, so where is how do you get there like how do you get that fine line where you're not you know this mess of emotions or this mess of like oversensitivity because someone is telling you how to improve something right yep. how do you so let's begin with uh let's take a step back before we even come to this feedback space let's take a step back now you might have caught yourself analyzing the person giving feedback hmm. so in what way like you know when people give feedback uh you first have to really trust that other person's opinion hmm that's true yeah so most of the time because you have always been that person who understand observe see people in a certain way and then only take feedback here when people giving feedback and as i understand is also online people saying things no 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 it it could be like people i really know value have entrusted with I'll giving me feedback that. i'll come yeah. to that but it's also mixed with other feedback it's mixed with random people telling yes. you right yeah so random people telling you would not work for you easily for sure you would look at it for what it is and it would be like you know so i'm also addressing that sometimes a random feedback can stay hmm. but for you it's important where the source is yeah people who you trust you feel are un- unable to look at your process hmm there is that part of the story because your process has evolved you have become a different person especially in last 4 years you know the internal process that you have gone through and the the journey is emotionally that you have gone through you have become a different person so when somebody edits something or gives feedback keeping the old you in mind you do not agree with it so when you don't agree pretending to be okay with any criticism is not of any use hmm so let's first understand let's first get that space cleared and once you say okay now let me come to my openness to look at feedback my openness to look at things so when things become super personal when they define you it is the difficult part so is there anything that you used to be defined by that you found your way around hmm 
for the longest time i was defined by the fact that i was a broadcast journalist hmm. uh, and i haven't done that in a very long time now right so i found a way around that by being more of a content creator a, a you know a director a right. writer and all those other things um i i yeah i think i'm very self aware that i sort of update my uh, image of me compared to what people think of me very quickly right uh, i think for a long time i struggled with sort of just consuming content versus creating it okay and in the last four years i've actually done more of creating, creating it. it so uh, it's also a risk right you're putting yourself out there you're trying to do something that you know it's very easy to sit back and say i could have done a better job yeah. of that <laughs> but when you're actually doing it you realize Oh like that's why it's so hard because it it also, looks simple but I, it's not and and in this process you just answered what I really wanted to talk about is when you see the impact of your work then it does not become about your work when mm. you see that content out there being consumed by other people then you are not you don't you don't tell yourself ramya you could have done a better job it's about the impact it created and yeah. then it is not personal so when you write something it becomes personal because you do not have the impact in mind mm. you do have only writing in mind mm. my skill my connect in mind but if we just remove the focus and we say okay but why are you writing it's towards something and if you keep that impact that person that reader in mind then you are extremely open to change anything that's yeah that's very true yeah but yeah. here because there is no audience there is no impact that you have in mind it becomes personal hmm. and and for our listeners also i just want to talk about this for one minute is when we make things about us we are completely being absorbed in how perfect can i be whereas when we realize i'm doing this towards a goal an idea or impact or really making a difference then you really become kind to yourself yeah that's the main thing i feel mm-hmm. like yeah um it's about kindness it's not about criticism in that yeah. sense yeah yeah i can see that for example i am a dyslexic and many a times uh, the reason why i can read between the lines is because i can't read on them yeah but uh, also that comes with like speaking or missing some pronunciations and dealing with you know certain constructions and it it's difficult and it yeah. there are moments where it just takes over and that was one of the reasons why i didn't want to do an audio medium because it, i struggled right like it did not sound the way i wanted because i heard other people and they sounded so cool mm. i said i also want to but and there was a moment last year i was dealing with something and i saw how many people require to hear this and i oh i hear my own sessions and i said you know people need this and when people describe their problems it became impersonal then i'm like okay if i'm imperfect if i screw up if i say something i should not that's okay but we have to get this out and then the impact became bigger than yeah. your personal idea of you yeah i think a lot of it also while you said there's a lot of high self esteem in there for me i think it is a uh, you know eventually when you start putting your work out there putting yourself out there whether it is in terms of writing or anything that you create or leadership in terms of starting something of your own um maybe especially with women maybe especially with people of my generation there is the imposter syndrome like it's the <laughs> it's the elephant in the room you can't you know ignore and ignore. talk about uh, and it's taken me quite a while to like get over it like mm-hmm. just be like this is nonsense uh, <laughs> i should not have to deal with this sure. and uh, and i see it, but it's like a struggle right because you're constantly like it's this self evaluation that happens where you're like 
do I deserve this? Am sure, I good enough? Sure. Am I doing the best enough job with all the opportunities yeah. that have been given to me? How could I do this better? And I think one thing that really helped me, and I don't know if there are other ways to deal with it, is that I always stop and say, in five years, will this matter? Mm, and the answer so. is no, I move on. <laughs> if the answer is yes, I figure out I need to answer the, the problem at hand. But then most things, like in five years, it's not going to matter. So why do you bother? Also, like uh, going back to the birds example, in five years, it might not matter that whether I was stuck to a branch or not. But today it does. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. So when it's stuff like that, that you need to deal with in inherently and yeah. in right away, then yeah. But a lot of things actually are just built up in our head and we don't need to deal with it. Like you don't need this cloud of like doubt, you know. <laughs> I agree. You don't need it, but it comes. And I feel ignoring it is also not the solution. So addressing it could be. Yeah. So we have doubts because we lack clarity and our priorities. You know, whatever clarity that we talk about. So what if we take five minutes a day to really align to that clarity? Hmm. Whatever that clarity is. And we forget that, you know, days being women also, we when we go through our own emotional and hormonal uh, drama <laughs> or painting within. So literally because of that, and also because of our habits, we do not give those 5-10 minutes every day to ourselves to align. Hmm. So if you make that as a habit, it's a great habit. So it's about knowing why am I doing whatever I'm doing. And that just becomes an internal guide to look at everything. Hmm. Then we are not rushing, pushing ourselves. Forget about other people. You know, I also feel sometimes you have to push other people. You have to like become uh, the stronger, authoritative person. I read something very beautiful. People talk about ego as a wrong thing, right thing, all of that, you know, doubt, no doubt. Sometimes you need to be completely vulnerable, no ego at all. There are moments where you require certain kind of ego. And that person while describing said, ego is like your shadow. Hmm. It, it shows as per the position of the sun. Hmm. So it's not something that you carry around, you talk about, you impose, you, know, you can't create your shadow. But depending on the situation, you become that, that authority like no ego is not a great space it may work for some <laughs> situations but it's not long but term it's not a yeah, great space yeah. you need no ego also means no identity exactly it's not helpful yeah so you need some self identity which is also considered as ego but not unhealthy one but it is situational it is never a permanent idea of you so you have to requ you require to jump in and do whatever is required in the moment, and that's how your ego moves, and so your doubt. If you need to learn something, if you don't have doubtful questions, how will you learn? Hmm. That's true. Yeah, you require that some sort of doubt, but I don't know how to do it. Can you help me? That can you help me won't happen if you are not asking that question or you don't have doubt about how can I make it better. But doubt, like your shadow, can't walk around everywhere. So no doubt is not a solution. But uh, appropriate, required questioning is required. Hmm. Like you can't avoid that. Hmm. But uh, carrying it everywhere and doubting yourself in everything, again, unhealthy. Hmm. So it's like, should I uh, stop sugar or should I eat it? Should I? You know, these are the questions. Should I go off carbs or should I eat carbs in every meal? What if you like literally eat as much as you feel comfortable with? Similarly, like we understand that about food, we don't understand or somehow we are not taught to understand that about our, our thinking, about our patterns, about how we look at life. Hmm. I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of self 
clear self-assessment to get to that space and not everyone and it's not easy. has the privilege of doing that also it's right not like it's easy. not just yeah yeah, yeah oh, i agree it's also not having the privilege because yeah. sometimes you understand certain things about yourself what do you do with it yeah if you have to still go and do work at a job that you do not enjoy or that's your commitment what do you do about yeah, it yeah exactly having said that i also feel secretly uh analyzing or assessing or accepting yourself is a process that is a habit Hmm. we can always build that habit you know you know periodically and i felt our previous generation did that as part of their life you know they were like somehow taught to do that now we are just getting more busy with external things that we are struggling with attached to all of that we do now a lot more than giving ourselves that time which brings me to this next question which i think um uh, so goal setting hmm. uh, as as not just for your professional but also in terms of life goal posts right um it's really evolved for our generation in the sense that the traditional ones don't really matter or exist True. in the same way anymore True. so how does one do that goal setting then going forward like how do i mean the one question i always dread anyone asking me is like where do you see yourself you know like that just it just gets my goat but honestly <laughs> it would be a it would be like a superpower to know exactly what i needed to be doing to get to where i need to go in 5 or 10 years right i agree with you and people in my profession also like ask these questions as professionals like what is your vision what is your mission i b- always refrain myself from getting into that space and i'll tell you why i believe the process that you follow is very very important hmm is very very crucial like if you reach wherever you your goal is and if you're miserable through the process <laughs> what is the value of doing it like what is the point of doing it true secondly i feel goals are momentary if you reach there then what you it's sit there win. yeah it's and a say wah yeah for 2 minutes or like 2 months no it depends on what your goal is okay no so for instance if i mean uh, that, that's why i say right it's not just about goal setting for yourself if it's like a uh, say goal setting that i will be plastic free hmm, by course. 2025 right right um that's a personal goal you're setting it for yourself but it has humongous impact on our surroundings agreed uh, and i think maybe we need to be moving towards goals that are more aligned with our community or our you know like who we are as as a planet yeah uh, i agree rather I mean, than just oh i want to make sure i have a three bedroom house yeah but i i mostly goals are looked at as that yeah. like some achievements yeah. now here you're actually talking about a process hmm. when you say plastic free is not a goal it's a it's a it's a life choice lifestyle decision yeah and now you are not saying i have achieved it i have arrived here you said here on i'm going to be here absolutely so it's a process yeah and processes are powerful and i feel once you imbibe a process then you don't have to like struggle with whether option a is visible or option b you literally believe in the process so the goal is then becoming that and staying that it's yeah. not so much hitting a target and then moving on and i changed the words here a bit to define the goal in that sense i call it aspect list an mm. aspect list is about all the elements all the aspects that you want to experience as your life you know in life you want to feel plastic free because you want to have the aspect of feeling responsible then you also want to feel comfortable so you have financial wealth or enough support as your aspect now why we want why do we want this because we don't want a life that is imbalanced we want those aspects that you know you can fulfill to be part of your life 
but goals are about achieving them one day process and aspect is about creating it as much as possible today hmm you know so you will become say plastic free in 2025 but today you can start walking towards it you can imbibe that as a concept and can build a process around it or create the process over a period of time hmm. so it's not one day i will achieve a goal it's i will build a process that i can imbibe and live in every moment or every day or you know depending on what your aspect list is people lot of time they wait and then they feel achieving that goal will fulfill something about me about that area and i never see people happy with that approach hmm whereas people who have picked up the process of being in that energy so one day i will perform at you know an artist setting that goal that i will perform in front of say x number of people but every day doing the riyas and building that skill towards it is the process mm. and that is the aspect having a goal having a milestone having a target is a good idea but being driven by goals i feel is blinding that's fascinating <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's not what you're taught right like yes. you're always taught to work towards something and taught to have like a larger sort of agenda and if you don't know where you're going how are you defining your purpose in life but i think it's very freeing to sort of yeah. think of it as a i want to build these characteristics within me and build these capabilities rather than just i want to do this by this time yeah and and you know when you are uh, working with your aspects and your process you're fully available in every moment hmm. you know whatever i want to do tomorrow or after this conversation well will i i'll do that but now i'm here with you and being having that freedom in your heart that you're not rushing and you're not going somewhere else and you're not like oh but whether it what if it does not happen then all my efforts are useless hmm. that is not available because the process is is also as satisfying hmm. and i really really love that you know i feel high performance like my i work as a high performance coach i feel high performance is being highly involved in this moment to begin with If you are constantly running somewhere else, you will be stressed out. If you are anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow, you will be stressed out. Then you are not performing better in this moment on this project, any which ways. So who are we fooling to hmm. begin with? Hmm. So, to, in your mind, what is the key to like performing the best every day? Like, what are the is the, is it breaking down what you need to do into tasks? Is it having like a clear sense of what your time is and setting goals that are very sort of achievable in a short burst of time like people say you know like 20 minutes yeah. see what you can do in that and then go take a break and walk or uh, how how do you get to that high performance space i feel first thing very very important one is to ask questions and have that curiosity childlike behavior every day so i have certain questions that i would design for every person for you i would definitely talk about what can i contribute today hmm you know that is an important question that you can you know ask for many many years also it will like weave into your overall theme of life so you want to contribute whether you do that through content through being plastic free you know whatever you choose so you genuinely ask that question every day and asking it every day is like literally ask opening the door uh you know your day is new you don't know what's going to show up today we don't know where we going to go whom we going to meet but having that question as your clarity point allows you to find okay how do i contribute in this situation going back to the question i said what do i require to observe here to contribute more 
So if your colleague understands your goal better or that larger picture better, then you contribute better. So if you're woven to your contribution, then you'll do anything required. Yeah, that's a great sort of umbrella philosophy to live by day in, day out. Yes. That has as much relevance on a daily level as a macro level. And as, that is an aspect. That's yeah, not a goal. Yeah. So the aspect of contribution and as I look at it, I feel that defines you at a larger level as yeah. a person. So why not to imbibe it and, you know, what you can do, other people can't. So you pick up that contribution, you say, I own it and let me give my 200% to it. Mm. Point number one. Point number two is to build a routine. You know, it's not whimsical. Performance doesn't happen one fine day. It is every day. And though I have, you know, this question running, I have certain things that I would work towards every day. So that building your high performance routine, knowing that what puts you into your best possible self. And that comes with observations, introspection, so many things. Hmm. But having that physical act of doing certain things, thinking about going plastic free is easy. To do it, you'll have to make some everyday choices and that becomes your routine. Or whatever skill you pick up, you know, doing riyas every day or doing your meditation every day, whatever that is, it doesn't matter what it is. You decide what it is for you. But doing that that constant uh, routine or riyaz is the second point. Hmm. Third, I feel, is every day in the night, five minutes, alignment or journaling. When we journal, when we ask certain questions and review our day, it just brings in better perspective. Next day, you can do a better job and you can you know change certain things if you like. But not reviewing at all and going... Uh, blindly through the life journey is not fun. Hmm. But, uh, so I think I'm fairly self-critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I have this perception issue where I think like I'm harder on my work than other people are on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is it, is there a negative consequence of doing things like journaling for someone like me? Yeah, journaling might not mean why did I do this? <laughs> journaling might mean that what what was amazing in today's day hmm. you know if I if my idea to begin with was to contribute where did I contribute today right so it is not always like being critical and I, I hear you it's not writing diaries the way we used to write <laughs> as kids and we were told it is journaling by asking specific questions yeah and going to bed feeling grateful is one of the best things you can do you know, your entire sleeping time is like recharging your gratitude. Mm, yeah, it's, that's it's a great true. thing. Yeah. Wow. And and research has proven this. It's not only like feeling good and, you know, having aff- none of that aff- affirmation. Some people do it. It's not about that. It's genuinely feeling grateful, not pretending to feel grateful. <laughs> so if you're grateful for like, you know, today I wrote one paragraph and that was so cool and I really enjoyed the process. Stick to that. That's okay. It has to be authentic and real. Mm. Okay. I have a question for you before we end the conversation. Sure. Uh, if we want to truly engage to this process, you know what you're talking about, how one can um, contribute in the clean planet space? What can we do? We are not uh, on the path that you are, but for all of us listeners and for me, what can we do? Like three things that if you can tell us to do on a daily basis. So, uh what we're working towards are building an ecosystem of products mm-hmm. and creating an ecosystem where entrepreneurs can create those products so that it's really a question of just making a more ethical choice. Okay. So, uh, 
it's early days but there are you know more ethical ways to consume whatever you're consuming okay uh having a sort of conscious consumption rather than a very sort of mindless sort of consumption is the first step where you examine what you're putting into your body okay you know uh, if you need more protein where is that protein coming from right is it sourced ethically or is it sourced without any of the negative things that you generally see in the way our food is produced can you be eating healthier without sacrificing a lot of things that you have come to take for granted like taste or you know a uh, great flavor or How just how about price is it expensive price as well uh, currently you know there's products like good dot in the market which are very competitive um, oh, okay they're you know they're made out of soy so they are competitive for now right. uh, if you have cell based meat which we're calling cultivated meat it will be expensive to begin with so that's something that is prohibitive to start off with but over time as uh, you know economies of scale kick in it will become cheaper, cheaper. for people to uh, do it and this happens with all great technology right, right? the first computer was so expensive it's so got many rooms in nasa <laughs> yeah, or something exactly. and now it's every every, every hand, hand holds a computer <laughs> um so things are going to be evolving at a very breakneck speed i think the main thing that you can do uh, rather than even three things i think the main thing you need to be doing is just being conscious of how um your choices have an impact on you personally and your mm. health as well as the environment and uh, you know so for some people animal welfare is a, is a part of it for some people they don't really care for some people it's about you know their health and their personal sort of uh, journey towards becoming the fittest healthiest person right. that they can be and for some people it's really about being mindful that we have only this one planet <laughs> this so land and growing all those f- growing feed like mm. soy or wheat or whatever and feeding it to animals mm. and then growing those animals and raising them and then slaughtering them and then having that meat as food is not sustainable for all of us definitely not in the coming years and it's not something that is efficient it's not something that is going to be practical in the coming years given you know the kind of greenhouse gases that this yeah. whole process emits So we need to start thinking of alternatives and the great thing is that I'm very optimistic that the human mind always finds a solution when right. it really needs to yeah. and I think we need to be open to these solutions rather than you know prejudge or um, come up with sort of so basically give it a try give it least. a try so and, if, and if think, you don't know whether where, where it goes at least giving it a try would be a good idea yeah and I think uh, I don't want to be preachy because that's not the point of it no one right. is telling you what to do and I, I, I would hate to be the person who's like oh you need to eat like this and, You know that's just not the point of it at all. But I think the idea that you are conscious of what you're doing, right? Uh, and if you're doing something like eating meat consciously, please do it. Of course, uh, no one is here to tell you what to eat or not. And to there's eat. nothing right or wrong about it. And there it. is nothing yeah. right or wrong. It's yeah. about individual palates and individual taste. Um, but I think we need to be mindful of sustainability. Okay, that's the key question. Makes sense. Is it sustainable? Is it something that all of us can get our food from? is it a way to feed all of us and give us all the nutrition we need because mm-hmm. that's a big thing in india right we we on the one hand we have malnutrition and people oh, yeah. stunting and there's not enough growth for a you know a third of us and on the other hand we also have obesity we have people yeah. who are struggling with high bmis and being obese yeah. and all the and, lifestyle diseases and, that and also like working out and like doing so much to not be obese well that's great if you yeah. can manage that but <laughs> most of us are on some some end of the spectrum which is not particularly great for us right so there are so many advantages to what we're trying to do uh the basic thing is to just figure out you know Benefit why not you why so not give try, it a try. Yeah. yeah give it a try it looks like a simpler thing to do also yeah. if and you I don't think, like it you can always choose what you're choosing and it is a concept of choice it is yeah. is absolutely like 
a free will sort of scenario yeah, where yeah. you just decide what works for you. I think there is a lot of literature about how individual choices are not going to make a big dent on the environment, that it's mm. actually big corporations that need to step up and right. uh, on a policy level, on a large scale level, we need to sort of effect change if we want to stick to the Paris Accord, stick to our two to three degree hike. But I think as individuals, we have power and we can exercise it. Oh, yeah. And if you as consumers, uh, you know, be, if you don't buy certain things, if we change it. it, it we have yeah, the power to change power, a lot yeah, of yeah. things. So I think that power of the consumer is also something we should activate. Mm-hmm. Sounds very, very good. Thank you so much for one, doing the work that you do and talking about it and, and spreading awareness. And secondly, for being on the show. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. It was truly. <laughs> As you could tell, Ramya jumped in with both feet together. One thing that stood out for me was her incessant desire to learn new things. Seth Gordon, a marketing expert, says, Every activity worth doing has a learning curve. We speak so much about this lockdown. Its extension, challenges, the anxiety it is bringing, the impact on the economy, and about flattening the curve. Let's accept it. We don't have a solution to deal with this monster, yet. One of the ways we can survive and cope up is by adapting the new normal, by building some new skills that you never thought you needed to, by not flattening but steepening our learning curves. I know learning to adapt can be very challenging, especially if we do not know how to unlearn, how to leave behind our old ideas and established standards, or how to embrace every new situation, no matter what it is. So the question is, can we make it easier for us? Can we find hacks, ways to learn faster, better, or even smarter? Can we still thrive? Yes. Let's talk about it on our Friday episode. Send me your questions about your struggles and worries on my Instagram account, Aditi Surana. Let's be stronger than ever before. I'll speak with you on Friday. Till then, happy writing! Hi, I'm DJ, one of the presenters of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. I'm based in London and host the podcast along with my friend from school, Varun, who's based in Singapore, and his brother Ashwin, who's based in the US. We've all been massive fans of Indian cricket all our lives, And despite living in three different time zones and having pretty busy professional lives, we decided to start our own cricket podcast in March 2018. After putting out 59 episodes on our own, we were delighted to join IVM in May 2019, becoming the first pre-existing podcast to be picked up by India's largest podcast network. We've chatted with some awesome people, had some fantastic cricketing conversations along the way. But the main reason we do this every week is to have fun discussing the same cricket topics and issues that you guys are talking about every day in your living rooms. We're fans, not experts, so expect us to be honest. We really hope you decide to join us every week on the podcast. Look, up in the internet, it's a meme. No, it's a cat video. No, it's the Geek Fruit Podcast. That's right. We interrupt this riveting broadcast to tell you about our show, The Geek Fruit Podcast, where Tejas, Dinkar, and I, Jishnu, talk about everything in pop culture, including DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Netflix, and everything in between. You know how your friends hate it when you ramble about some nerdy crap and you just want somebody to listen to you? Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that, but come listen to us ramble and it'll almost be like the real thing. Kind of. 
Listen to new episodes of the Geek Fruit Podcast every Monday and the Geek Fruit Bulletin every Thursday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the IVM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening, you nerds.